0: Welcome to TV Break, the PopBreak.com's monthly roundup of all the ins and outs of the world of TV. I am Pop Break podcast editor Alex Marcus, and I am joined,
1: as always, by Pop Break editor-in-chief Bill Botkin. How are you today, Bill? Oh, man, I was just dancing to intro music, and I think I readjusted my neck three times.
0: perfect well uh it sounds like you have a budding chiropractor job lined up uh, in the near future but uh, in the meantime uh taking his break from his duties leading the crisis team the oscars just hired to be on call for next week's big night uh it's our resident tv columnist josh shanaki how are those practices going josh
2: no one can leave their seats and will smith is not allowed 500 feet from the theater
0: That is actually true, he is not allowed to be in attendance. But uh, we're not here to talk about the Oscars. We got plenty of podcasts on our network the next two weeks to talk about Oscar stuff. Instead, we have a great show for you today, including an update on the streaming wars, a breakdown of the avalanche of TV news that you may or may not have missed over the last month, and a review of Prime Video's faux documentary miniseries, Daisy Jones and the Six, starring Riley Keough and a bunch of other people. Uh, But before we do all that, Josh, what's the best thing that you watched on TV this month?
2: Okay, so, full disclosure, I'm cheating with my answer, but this is my answer. You always do. <laughs> I don't always do, just, you know, 90% of the time. So, this is well within that 90. Um, so, the other day, I saw an advanced screening of the first episode of the new season of Demon Slayer. So, they released the first uh, episode of Season 3 alongside the final two episodes of Season 2 packaged all together. And put it in theater. So, television, but in theater. So, I know I'm kind of toeing the line there. Um, but it was wonderful. I um, have still not read the the manga that it's based on. So, I knew very little going in other than that it's based off of um, the Swordsmith Village arc that I've heard really good things about from people who've read it, the books, including my wife. But going in, I did not know what to expect. And I will say that. It blew me away just with the amount of money they threw into the animation. Um, The show's always been beautifully animated, but they really upped their budget for this, and it shows. Um, To the point where maybe they spent too much time on it, because the first few minutes are just, let's show you how much time and money we spent on this. Um, Showing you things from the same angle and different angles and just absurd angles just a 100 times over until you finally actually get to something plot-related. But... Once you get past that, it's really funny. Um, not too much action yet, but it sets up the season really well. So, and it was just announced that the the rest of the season will be coming out in April. Um, so that is oh, coming up. Too long up. to wait. No, so just a little bit of a uh, advance, um, just to kind of get people's excited for it, what people's appetite. So it definitely worked on me. So I'm I'm more excited than I already was, and I think I already had this listed as one of my most anticipated shows of the year. So. Uh, yeah, no. For for fans of anime, this was a big deal, um, and I hope that it doesn't have too much of a you know strange transition from the the extended version we had in theaters to the, the, the small screen. Because um, apparently there was some changes, but it's it's hard to tell what was like added for just theatrical reasons and what is actually going to be there once it gets to the, the true TV version.
0: Maybe some of that non-plot related stuff might get trimmed down a bit, you think?
2: Yeah, maybe we won't see. There's it, So it begins in this um, like other dimension. And I swear, like it spun around so much, I thought that I was going to like pass out. Like I don't have vertigo, but I think I almost developed vertigo from watching. Oh, no.
0: Was it almost a Cloverfield situation?
2: Oh, man, it was close.
0: Or like a U2 <laughs> song? Because that because they sang a song called Vertigo. Called Vertigo. That's a that's a joke no, I, that I would make, Bill. <laughs> a, not on my game. Today. Uh, and so, if you weren't lucky enough to watch this experience in the cinema, you can watch all of these episodes in April on Crunchyroll. Is that right?
2: Yes. Yeah, it should be coming to Crunchyroll. Um, Crunchyroll was um, behind the the theatrical release, so. They're most likely, although I haven't got a full answer, so I'm, I'm still confused. They promote it like, yes, it's coming. Maybe with us. They don't say, but I assume with them.
0: Well, it wouldn't be an anime if it didn't leave you on a cliffhanger, right?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Too many mysteries. <laughs> uh, but once that had me excited.
0: Now, Bill, I have a feeling that the best thing that you watched uh, this past month on TV is not going to be much of a mystery to our audience. But why don't you let us know if
1: my guess is correct? Well, I mean, if uh, if, if I'm going to dip into a little retro, something that's that's behind, you know, a few years, I uh, just going to tip my hat to a podcast I'll be doing later this month with you, Alex. That Daredevil season two, pretty good. Uh, don't want to go any further than just saying pretty good. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, turn into bill versus the MCU on the pop break to today feed on all your favorite streaming platforms. Uh, for me, it is split right down the middle middle. It was great to see our sweet baby boy and his space daddy. The Mandalorian season three is back now. If you listen to my other podcast, socially distanced on all your favorite streaming platforms, uh, the premiere episode was not exa- exactly my uh, cup of tea, because I felt it was a little bit rushed. felt there was a lot of issues in that. But I do have faith that this show will, uh, will improve, and you'll find out next month if I do think it improved. But it is nice to be back in a show that I have... I, I loved tremendously has been a top show for me every year it's on TV and it helped improve a show last year that was pretty bad. So uh I I definitely am happy the Mandalorian is back. But I actually my the best thing I watched was Alex's favorite show. I know he loves the show. It's I've never heard a crossword about this show from him offline ever. Ever. It's The Last of Us on HBO. Man, this show is just is just killing it literally figuratively. Emotionally, ecumenically, every which way it could kill, it kills. Uh, It has no mercy. Killing my patients on a weekly basis. (laughs) Well, listen, if you did like, I mean, you had to have liked last week's, right? No, we didn't like last week's. So
0: here's Uh, the thing. The reason why I didn't like last week's episode Oh, well, first off,
1: is this coming out? When is this coming out? Because this is, so this, this yeah, is so episode that, seven, let's just say. Yes, episode, episode seven, so seven we're know. talking yeah. about.
0: Yeah, and of course, by the time people are listening to this, you'll have most likely just gotten to watch episode eight. But yeah, the reason why I didn't like episode seven that much was the reason why I have a problem with horror movies in general is the, is the fact that like you're having this beautiful experience, right? with the, And it's like this great kind of emotional and romantic and and there's so much stuff, so much great character building and so many great uh, acting opportunities between these two amazing actresses or actors and the whole entire time you're like well I know that this is going to end with them getting attacked and brutally uh, killed in some way shape or form and that's hanging over the entire thing and it's for me that's a very distracting experience because I want to just be emotionally invested in the moment and not so tied up in the is this when it's going to happen? Is this when it's going to happen? It all just feels kind of, like, mean, the idea of, like, well, we're going to give these two great characters this great experience, but we're only giving it to them because you, the audience, know that the rug is going to get pulled out from under them. It just seems, like, cruel in a way that is just, I'm so tired of the cruelty of this show. I know there's, like, a lot of, like, uh, like, heartwarming stuff in here as well. I'm not denying that. There's some great character dynamics and some great character arcs that we've seen, but it's all predicated on this need to inject like the most base cruelty of humanity into every uh, corner of the
1: story. And it's just frustrating. It's wearing me down, Bill. It's called the last of us. Not everything got better uh it's as my co-host or my guest alicia would say uh i uh I, see that's part of what i loved about the episode was this constant i mean i don't love anxiety these days but this constant like stress and anxiety of you're watching this beautiful thing unfold and every moment you're like oh my god this thing's going to be taken away from us <laughs> maybe hope beyond hope you know it won't happen even though you know it's there because the characters are so rich and so dynamic and the performances. Uh, especially in this uh, episode from uh, Bella Ramsey and Storm Reid are just absolutely phenomenal. Just just such beautiful performances to see in such a show that on paper probably shouldn't have beautiful performances, but we really get it. And just to watch this whole thing and go through this whole rollercoaster motions for me, I think was worth the payoff. And I find this show to be, every week I go into it like, God, man, I don't know if I could go through another episode of this because it's it's either sad or stressful or whatever but when i do go through it i i i'm glad i did because of just how great i found the performances the writing the 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 cinematography everything about the show is fantastic and i think this will easily end up as my top three for the end of the year whereas in alex's uh list of 200 shows he watches this year this will be at a little asterisk of 201 um let's no there's there will be something worse than it i'm sure one thing yeah i mean listen i'm i'm also watching the flash right now so you know (laughs) i mean you're listen you're a completist we know this um and and so but yeah the last of us is to me it's it's the best thing on TV right now, maybe that's a low bar, but I, I think it's pretty great. So, uh, we only have as of this, we have one more episode, um, left. The finale is coming up, so it's gonna be interesting to see where they leave it off. For who knows when this season's sh- series is gonna, gonna come back, to be honest,
0: yeah. I'd imagine they want to get the second season out pretty quickly, given everything going on at HBO and the larger corporation that we will definitely get into in a little while. (laughs) Oh, oh, my friend, we'll be getting into that. (laughs) Because if nothing
2: else, this has certainly been a hit. (laughs) Foghorn Leghorn making a (laughs) surprise appearance. Foghorn Leghorn
1: is a dastardly mustache twirling villain.
0: It is technically part of the Warner Discovery family, so it is appropriate.
1: It is, Alex. I must ask you: What heart-wrenching, tear-inducing thing is the best thing that you watch this month? So Presumably
2: not the Flash,
0: not the. It definitely <laughs> is really not the, the Flash. flash. <laughs> oh man, guys! Every time I think I'm out on the Flash, they pull me back in, and I always regret that choice. But this is the last time they could do it to me, so I, at least we honestly, have. That.
1: I honestly thought it ended. Like it's, it's had the final season of The Flash has been announced like four or five different times. I think that's like,
0: just because I have texted you. That's it. I'm not watching any more of The Flash four or five separate times.
1: <laughs> that's true. That's good. Fair point.
0: But I came back for the final season, and it is, and and also because you know they're bringing Batwoman into the season, and they had a, a on paper an idea that could have been really fun, and it is not working out great so far. So that is not the show that I'm talking about for this segment. Instead, it's kind of like a three way tie for all the shows that we talked about last month, because for me, it's kind of been you know the end of January really kind of set things in motion, and all of February has just been kind of carrying that TV momentum. So. I have to shout out Shrinking, which I talked about at length last month. I think that it is – I had only watched the first, few, like, one or two episodes, I think, when we recorded then. Now I've watched almost the full season. It's so great. It's so fun. It's it's light and also heavy in, in at the same time in a way that is really hard to pull off. But if you've watched Ted Lasso, you know that that is something that that show also has in common. Uh, with shrinking in addition to their creative team. And so I, I think that this show has gotten some attention. I feel like it could get a lot more attention. I feel like this is the type of show that people are going to slowly start watching over the course of the year and be like, wait, Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford and Jessica Williams are all on a TV show together. Um, and it's as good as you could imagine that being. It's like it's it, like I said, it handles heavy subjects, but it does it with a very light touch in a way that always uh, feels messy and complicated in a in a way that feels realistic instead of like we're doing a very serious and important thing. Because like, and that is another issue that I have with The Last of Us is just the fact that like. People going through hard times experience a variety of different emotions throughout their day. It's not all just bleak and, and terrible even in the apocalypse, uh, or so I imagine. I guess I've never been literally in the apocalypse to say. I mean, but and, and I, I will mean, say 2000- like
1: 2018 is pretty much that way for me, man. I don't know about you. <laughs>
0: But I bet you made lots of jokes during that period, even though you were going through it, because that's the kind of guy you are. And I, yeah. I, I know that's that's how a lot of people uh, handle these sorts of things. And that's how shrinking handles these sorts of things. And I really appreciate that, that they're not afraid to go deep. They don't do the sitcom thing where everything gets wrapped up in a nice, neat package at the end. They let things linger. Uh, they let the heavy emotions just sit there and, and you have to just kind of stare at them like a good therapist would make you. Uh, but it also makes you feel like life is full of a variety of different experiences and dynamics with inside any relationship. And that makes me really happy. So I really like this show a lot. Um, Another show that I like a lot that is a little bit more on the let's tie things up in a neat package is Abbott elementary, which is a great sitcom. The best sitcom on network television, I think by far, Uh, has been getting a lot of awards during this award season and it's all well earned. Quinta Brunson is fantastic as the lead and showrunner, and, sometimes director and writer and everything else that she does for that show. Um, The whole ensemble is just so, so talented and so fun. And it's just, it's starting to progress the storyline a little bit more so that we're done with the sort of like, here's what the deal is with the school. Here's what the deal is with these characters dynamics. And it's really kind of letting the plot move a little bit more. And so far they've been moving it at a very respectable pace. And there's some kind of like, will they, won't they, that they're moving in a way that I think is really smart and uh yeah just it's really fun every week I'm always excited to watch it and I also have to do a check-in for Poker Face which I think is the best drama on television right now even though it's only sometimes a drama uh and I believe it's actually going to be competing uh in the Emmys as a comedy they announced which I think is pretty cool even though it's an hour long um and this is the show that we reviewed last month and uh it's excellent guys did you keep up with it at all this this month?
1: I'm going to just say this month has not been great for me in terms of viewing anything. So no, (laughs) that's what I'm hoping March will be.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, and I did make you watch 13 episodes of an, of a Netflix show on top of everything else. So it's, it's a lot on your plate. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have to tell you that you have a lot of really fun stuff to look forward to because the season, as it has progressed, there's a variety of different tones, and some of the episodes are very silly. Some of the episodes are really tense. Uh, some of the murders are comedic. Some of them are, like, very unscary. There's a really interesting parody of... Um, uh, of Lucas and ILM uh, in this uh, in an episode a couple weeks ago oh, uh, that was really good and interesting considering uh, Ryan Johnson's history with that company um, and yeah Natasha Lyonne is just excellent uh, she's just so so good from top to bottom and the whole structure of the show it has leaned into this very very comforting in my opinion structure where you get a, an opening act. That's about 20 minutes long where you just meet the characters for this week. You get to know their dynamic. You get to see a little bit about their lives and why one of them might want to murder the other one. And then you, you see the murder happen and they think they got away with it. And then you move into act two where you rewind the tape and find out that uh, Natasha Leone has been there the whole time. Just like doing an odd job meeting people, having an unexpected connection to the uh, person who has been killed or maybe the person who is being accused of a murder or some variety of sort of things. And they're doing a really good job of mixing up why she's emotionally attached to the outcome uh, every time, which I think is good and smart. And then the final act is her kind of putting all the pieces together and also finding an interesting way to bring these people to justice because she is, as we talked about in our episode uh, about the, uh, about the show, not, Uh, a member of law enforcement, and in fact, is kind of on the run from law enforcement. So her exposure to law enforcement has to be pretty limited. And uh, it results in a lot of pretty interesting creative ways to get justice for the people who have, who have been wrongfully uh, deceased. So I I really find it interesting and fun. And it's got that perfect balance of like relaxing and also engaging that uh, you don't get a lot on TV these days. You know, I think that's like kind of the draw that Mandalorian brings, I think, to a lot of people. I think that's part of why that show has been so successful. I think Poker Face deserves to be in that kind of conversation as well. So I'm a, I'm a big fan. The season wraps up uh, next week, and uh, they just announced coming back for a second season, so I think it uh, has been a big success for everybody involved, which is really cool.
2: Nice. Yeah, I still need to get back into it, but I will say I think this is the first time that, Alex, your picks are cheerier than Bill's. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. No, no, it's, that's, that's for sure, man. That's for sure. Uh yeah, Daredevil and The Last of Us are not exactly putting smiles on anyone's faces. So, well, maybe Daredevil sometimes. But uh mm, yeah. Very rarely. Very <laughs> <laughs> rarely. Let's be real. Season 2 has had its moments. But yeah, I'm very excited to look to get back into Poker Face. I mean, also since we were on Poker Face had a Super Bowl commercial too. So, I mean, it's how much NBC is really behind this show and I know it, the Nielsen ratings for this were extremely high. I think it was number two for original series or uh, um, a couple weeks ago. So it's, it's the, the best thing Peacock's produced or, or, from an original perspective.
0: Yeah, I think I, so. I, it has, it has that potential to have like really strong crossover appeal. And I'm glad that it's starting to gain traction in that capacity. Cause... It's just a fun show. And it's also, there's no, there's no overarching plot. Like it really is like, she's on the run, but we don't really check in on that basically ever. I think like towards the end of the season, we're going to get a check in on that storyline and maybe it gets a little bit of resolution to it, but you can literally just sit down and watch it. You sign up for one experience that goes about an hour and then you can just, you know, not think about it for a week, not think about it for three weeks, go back to it. You know, you can binge all of them if you want to, you can watch it one at a time. And it's, it's nice to have a show like that in your arsenal. I wouldn't want every show to be like that, but I think a show that's made this well on this level, uh, being like that, is nice to have.
1: Here's a question I have for you, Alex. Uh, I've seen something like, we saw this with Andor, we saw this with The Mandalorian. Would it behoove NBC to p- put uh, Poker Face on maybe in the summer to air s- select episodes on terrestrial television to gain more of an audience?
0: I think that they should definitely do, like, a limited engagement over the summer, like, airing it on NBC and USA and Bravo, like, their main networks, and just one, like, one week air the first two episodes and just, like, expose people to the show. Because I think if they expose people to the show, I think even more people would sign up
1: for Peacock. I think so, too. Okay. All right. Could could we just pause for, like, one second? I really have to go to the bathroom.
0: Uh huh.
1: All right. Riverside, do your job.
2: (laughs) Off recording, I did watch some of Shrinking. I only made it through like half of the first episode.
0: Oh, because you hated it so much?
2: No, no. I just, I I (laughs) literally just forgot (laughs) to go back to it.
0: Oh, okay. I well, left a big impression on you then. No. Um, I think that the first episode is not the best indication of what the show is like, though, because it has to do so much work in the kind of, like, setting up the, the plot and the characters. Mm. So I would definitely give it more than one episode. But that's cool that you watched at least that much.
2: Yeah. No, I definitely want to keep watching more. I think, honestly, the, the real reason why I probably haven't gone back to it is because I've been I only watched it on my phone on the bus. <laughs> so not the ah, ideal way to watch okay. something.
0: Okay, now it's time to move into our news break segment, where we usually talk about the biggest story in the world of TV. Uh, But right after we recorded our show last month, a fire hydrant of TV news broke out in response to a more eventful than usual quarter four earnings call uh, period, which ran about two and a half weeks. (laughs) Uh, So... Pretty much all the major media companies had bad news to announce, thanks to reduced revenue from advertising, and all the executives felt the need to break the news. Uh, So the revenue decline was not the only takeaway. So they broke a lot of big news attached as well. Um, As a result, we can't just pick one of these news items to do justice to the month. So instead, we're just going to do kind of a round robin, uh, going through all of the companies and getting some of the highlights of the big stories that we heard. So first up is Netflix. Uh, Netflix made some interesting headlines in the sense that uh, they nearly doubled expectations for their subscriber growth. They're up 7.66 million uh, users. They were expected to only increase by 3.1 million. Uh, So they ultimately ended up having a good news cycle, uh, but they also announced... That their plans for their password sharing uh, crackdown is still in place and they gave us some more details about that uh, that basically amount to you will have to assign uh, like a main internet hub for your account and if you leave that internet hub and try to log in to a different internet hub someplace else You're going to need to get special permission from Netflix, basically, uh, that will be granted by, like, a week-by-week basis (laughs) in a way that seems a little bit uh tedious uh and i think intentionally so uh do you guys have any feelings about either the fact that netflix has basically made up all of the lost users that they lost last year and they're actually in the green now and that in terms of that um and also that they are uh following through on their plans for the password crackdown um and we have a little bit more details on how that's actually going to work
1: i think i'm very surprised that they've they uh, were able to make up that loss and make it up so quickly. Because, I mean, we were going on and on about like, you know, gosh, like this, the amount of content they're canceling shows early. Like it it just seemed like everything was in going in the wrong direction for them, but they've done it. However, I wonder how much the password sharing will be that impact where people are going to get frustrated because gosh, if I go on vacation for a week, And I go to a house that has, you know, a fire stick in it or is a smart TV. I can't sign into my Netflix account because I'm on vacation. Like, and I now have to get like a special permission from, you know, Netflix dad to like, allow me to watch what I pay for. Now I get why they're doing it, but I could see like, people are like, yeah, screw this, man. I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I could see them losing more. Like I'd be, I'm, 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 I would be, would be shocked if they didn't have a substantial loss from that. Although are they not counting those people and maybe they don't care because well, what like, well, they did well you're say... not paying. you know? Well, know. what
0: they did say was that they know that this will decrease how active the users that they have are on the network because um, obviously if you have 12, 15 people using one account, you're Oops. really optimizing your at time spent on the platform, um, and they also know that some people may drop off their subscription either out of protest or out of frustration over the system, uh, but they have factored in the amount of people that they expect to gain because of this, and they feel like overall it's going to be, in the long term, better for their organization. We will certainly see, but they did not pretend like it wasn't going to cause, it wasn't going to ruffle some feathers, and in fact, initially, a year ago, when they talked about doing this, they did say that they were planning on doing this sort of plan where like you can get a discounted rate of Netflix to stay on attached to someone else's account and they said they're not they're not actually going to do that yet what they want to do the password crackdown first see how many people sign up for full accounts see what that all looks like and then if they feel like they need to they'll do that other secondary plan down the road so that makes me feel like they're probably pretty confident that whatever uh, PR hit they get, it's going to be made up for in in added subscribers in the long run because you remember i mean it's hard to know for sure if we can trust these numbers but basically they say that there's 80 million people using netflix for free and they don't expect to get 80 million additional users but even if they got a third of that in additional users that would make them be like it would be like a 30% increase on their overall subscriber base. And again, they do have more subscribers than any other company already. So you can understand from their perspective why they're doing it, but I could say personally, I have a lot of friends who are very annoyed by this and have been talking about how the decline in quality over Netflix over the years has been considerable and that they're thinking that it's just maybe not worth the hassle. And so uh, uh, that's very anecdotal though. So I guess we'll see. Uh, None of them watched Wednesday for instance. So (laughs) uh josh do any feelings others. on on netflix before we move on our next company
2: yeah and sorry if my mic was picking up the audio from my neighbor i think they're having an exorcism but uh hopefully oh, that will be nice okay. yeah you know oh. just a casual sunday activity but sure yeah, sunday I, seance yeah it's like yeah. brunch but
1: <laughs> with the dead
2: and less mimosas but oh, i what a
1: bummer <laughs>
0: Josh, you didn't tell us that the Adams family moved in next door.
2: You mentioned (laughs) Wednesday, you know, I bet she's a great dog sitter. um, If your dog's still alive at the end, but she's a
0: better dog sitter. If your dog
2: started out dead. Uh, (laughs) That's true. That's true. Um, For Netflix. I, I really am concerned about this because I do think, yes, they've gained their viewers back. And and I, I haven't had a chance to look through the data of how much is that through the new ad supported um, version of Netflix that they they launched. But I just think the amount of goodwill they're burning with audiences is just tremendous. So I I don't know if in terms of like subscriber counts, if it's going to make a difference. I don't know financially it's going to make a difference. But just the dialogue around Netflix, I feel like, has shifted and people are starting to turn against it, where it's less of a yeah, like, I'm, I'm looking forward to whatever on Netflix, too. Like, I am begrudgingly keeping this just because I care about a few things. But I do not like this company anymore. And I feel like that is a precarious place for them to be.
0: Yeah, yeah it's I, you know, what I, I feel like we've talked about that for like a year now. And what's yeah. actually true is that amongst people like us... That is how everyone is feeling. But there's a lot of other people out there who subscribe to Netflix. And Bella Bajario, who got elevated to the head of uh, content over there, um, has this mission of she says what she wants is to have gourmet cheeseburgers. Is That's what her programming vision is. Oh, and for that, God and so dammit. she wants high quality cheeseburgers because everyone likes a cheeseburger. Um, but they're going to be the best quality cheeseburger there is. And I think if you look at what Netflix is like, that's definitely what a lot more content is like a, a quality cheeseburger uh than before when we had some you know a variety of different you know we had sushi we had prime rib we had you know kobe beef every once in a while but that is not what the deal is right now but you know what a lot of people like cheeseburgers she's not wrong especially if we're talking about you know expanding out of the marketplace that they already have dominated and Mm. uh you know it's 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 interesting they it for a while, Netflix's big mission was to, they explicitly said, we want to become HBO before HBO becomes us. Uh, they shifted from that model uh, after, I think, succeeding in that objective. Uh, they shifted to saying, our only uh, competition is sleep, which was a fun quote that, I, that I'll never forget, Ted Serrano saying. Um, and uh, now they're in this market of wanting to replace all of cable basically. That's what their main objective is. They want to replace the cable bundle. So that means they want to have, you know, a couple of shows that get Emmys every year, but also like a full block of reality shows and a full block of dating shows and a full block of sitcoms and just everything that cable used to do, they want Netflix to do. And as an objective, I think that they're succeeding in that, um, even if that's alienating cool kids like us.
2: I mean, yeah, (laughs) They, they can say that, but is that really a gourmet cheeseburger or is that a Big Mac with a price hike?
1: Oh, that is a very nice, interesting way of saying things, Josh. God yeah. bless you, you son of a it, bitch. It's a, good, it it's a
0: good call, Josh. And we all know that McDonald's is doing very poorly right now. So if that was what they're changing to, they'd be in trouble. Oh, wait, no, that's not true. <laughs> they're one of the biggest companies on the planet. So maybe it's not wrong to go for the Big Mac, uh, even if none of us eats them, right? We don't eat yeah. Big Macs, of
1: course not. No, royal with cheese. Uh, but it, I, <laughs> but that I think Josh, like I agree with your point. Like, and I, I was even, and I said it too. Is this like, hey man, you're gonna crack down on these passwords? Like, if people are gonna want to, they're gonna be pissed, or they're gonna want to leave. And I don't think they care because they always know they're they're they have the confidence just based off them getting all these subscribers back so quickly that they lost that yeah. we were people were ringing the death knell for. And now it's just like, well, they're back, so we're they're confident that they can keep the content people want. And you're going to and Alex, they kind of still are HBO. People want HBO, even when HBO is bad. People are still going to keep HBO. They're like, oh, I can cancel HBO, right. but, but HBO, HBO has be kind something, of utterly be comeback.
0: <laughs> HBO has <is laughs> kind of utterly failed at becoming Netflix, uh, given the kind of
1: yes. <laughs> yes it is but i'm, I'm, I'm not i'm not, I'm not with you there but it's become that thing you have to have you have to have hb you want to have hbo so i think like okay you're gonna lose a bunch of people cool all the all you know all those all those older types remember when everyone said facebook was gonna die and it's just being buoyed by people just posting about, that are older that are posting about literally everything that happens to them in their lives that's now netflix the oldies have won they've won. <laughs> That's what this is. What everyone has Netflix now. Unless so, you know the kids if, still get if the to three watch, of us leave, they don't care. The kids still get to watch is
0: this cake. So there's really something for everyone. There's just not as much for us anymore, and you know that's a sad thing. But I think we can all agree that it's okay. <laughs> so now we're going to move on to uh, speaking of HBO, our next corporation that we're checking in on is uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, which you know uh, David Sasloff, uh made a lot of inter- had a lot of interviews over the last month talking about how. The plan is working, uh, that the last round of cuts is the last round of cuts that they will be doing, uh, totally. that they feel like they are going to be back in the green pretty soon. They announced uh, th- all of those shows that they ripped off of the network and promised it would go to a fast channel, which if you remember, that is uh, the the kind of like over-the-air live streaming uh, channels like 2B and Roku and Pluto TV. Um, they said that they were going to package all that stuff up and sell it out to someplace else. Well, they did. They announced it, that they made 2B channels and Roku channels uh, for HBO properties um, like Westworld and The Nevers, which uh, The Nevers got to air the second half of their season on, I believe it was like, two in the afternoon, uh, (laughs) over on, over on Tubi. So if you were really waiting for that to come back, I hope you found out that that happened. Um, if not your SOL. Um, but yeah, so that's, that was the big news. And they also announced that they're getting out of the regional sports news business. Uh, they had kind of, they had inherited a handful of regional sports channels through the AT&T deal. They were originally part of the AT&T cable package. They got merged into into Warner Brothers uh, when, it, when they all became together. And once uh, Warner Brothers Discovery got its own deal, they stayed with Warner Brothers Discovery. Well, Warner Brothers Discovery basically offered the teams that are invested in those channels the opportunity to buy it back. Um, and if not, they're planning on going, on going bankrupt <laughs> on that little corner of the company because uh, it doesn't make any money anymore, um, And it will make less and less money as time goes on. Uh, and the other piece of information that was interesting is that they announced uh, Josh's favorite streaming uh service discovery plus will live uh original plan was to kill it once all of its main content was merged into the new uh service that will most likely be called max and over the summer uh but they announced that while they will be still adding most of the stuff to that new streaming combined streaming service they're going to keep discovery plus around because they did a lot of focus group uh testing and all of the subscribers of discovery plus was like i like this at the price point that it is which is like seven dollars a month and i don't want to subscribe to hbo max with discovery shows in it for twice that price so they were like okay cool let's not piss these people off and let's just let them keep giving us their money which is maybe the wisest most prudent thing that they've ever done uh, since taking over (laughs) but josh i'm gonna let you start out first what is your reaction to warner brothers discovery do you believe, Zaz, that uh, the cuts are finished and everything is okay now?
2: No way. No, I, <laughs> I will. I will believe it when the bad press stops coming out. Uh, but in terms of what you just, Alex, of uh, you know, maybe this is the wisest thing they've done in terms of not pissing off their customers. Um, th- maybe that's the first time they've done that because it feels like that's all they've done the last few months. <laughs> uh, so. I guess good for them for actually listening to their audiences after you know, we, we talked about the abysmal situation with Batgirl and yeah, so much of the other content that they just jettisoned. Um, so I'm, I'm glad they're listening to some people, even though it does seem like a weird backtrack um, and strange to have this redundancy, but I, I guess it, it does make sense for reality TV show fans. So I'm, I'm happy for them, but I don't know. Just to keep calling this a plan feels very much like a misnomer, and more like, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's let's just throw everything we can at the wall, and whatever sticks, that's what we intended.
0: Yes, except everything that they're throwing are like hatchets and knives, and they're hoping that there'll be a wall left when they finish. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there may have been we'll a grenade
2: out. in there, so we'll see.
0: Bill, what is your reaction to all of the Warner Brothers Discovery news? Are you so upset well, that, like, Pittsburgh and San Diego won't be having a regional sports channel pretty soon?
1: <laughs> don't worry. There always are regional sports channels. Um, uh, the, uh, Warner Brothers Discovery also, uh, I don't think they've re-upped the NBA's contract yet. And David Zaslav was cr- uh, quoted saying... Uh, We don't have to have the NBA. We don't need the NBA. Well, I hate to break it to them.
0: Yeah, that felt like negotiating
1: posturing to me. Yeah, because (laughs) if they lose the NBA, wowzers, that's just bad. I mean, as a pro wrestling fan, as I'm watching AEW, which is on TNT and TBS, they're really happy with them, and they're going to give them more money, be on the TV a lot longer and more shows. So I'm all about that. But I don't believe this is the last round of cuts they're going to have uh, just because it's never the last round of cuts for any corporation, if the more they, the more money they can make with the less people and the less things, they're gonna do it. And I just feel like it. That is just a Warner Brothers Discovery is just a giant chaos monster right now. It is huge and gankly and full of fire and acid, and is just barreling towards us with no purpose. It really isn't, and I, I don't. I I just don't know if there's like I know they're happy with james gunn so far which you know we'll see how long that lasts and we've we've been at this rodeo before
0: where they uh anoint a new person in charge of dc properties and say your vision's great we're gonna fully back you and then like uh nine months in they get cold feet and fuck everything up
1: (laughs) yeah so i just don't i just think they're so mercurial that i I can't believe anything anyone says out of that company, to be honest with you. I mean, we're still lucky that we're getting some good quality stuff that at least I like. <laughs> like wrestling in The Last of Us. But like I don't know, man. I think they're still in a heap of trouble.
0: Are you disappointed that they didn't find a way to do a wrestling Last of Us crossover event where your big mushroom daddy came on and flipped some of your some of your wrestling? Oh, fans they off?
1: told. Oh, my God. No, the thick crunch from daddy was pulling out some wrestling moves, my friend. I was watching that fight scene and I was like, God damn, there's some wrestling moves
0: Like, why couldn't you get in the ring, you know? Like, with the, you know, the state of oh, modern computer graphics, always, we could
1: have made it work. It doesn't always have to be in the ring. Sometimes the fighting is done out in the streets, but uh, those are And sometimes only in our hearts, you know. I don't. It's always in my heart. There's always a street fight in my heart. But anyway, yeah, <laughs> Warner Bros. Discovery, I mean, I hope for the people who work for them, like, there is some sort of consistency because they the have... so people that are so left much that leg- work for him. Yeah. There's been so much legendary stuff that has come out of the Warner name, and there's so much, you know, that they, they're, they're almost always there. You're like, you guys, you're so close, and then you blow it all up so i hope they're not going to blow it all up anytime soon but again we will see i mean i think the most
0: discouraging thing and we're going to see this a little bit as we go through some of our other news items is that you know they got a lot of backlash initially when they made those announcements that they were cutting shows even shows that had almost or completely finished being produced and you know, everyone was really angry about that, but then it kind of set a precedent and other companies have followed suit now because uh, they don't get the kind of like first one out the gate um, target on their back as a result. And that's uh, disconcerting. I hope that that is a short-term phenomenon that we're seeing uh, uh, as everyone kind of readjusts their business plans and is not just kind of like the future, because I just can't imagine what it's like for people who spend years of their lives working on a project, finish the project, and then have that project be like, oh, we're Throwing it into the garbage. Sorry. You know,
1: it's like, it's, it's so terrible. I've heard many secondhand accounts of that, especially from the animation world. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's very, very heartbreaking to hear it.
0: Yeah. But uh, speaking of a company that actually had some good news, uh, we're going to move on to Comcast Peacock uh, specifically from the streaming side of things. And we actually talked about this uh, a little bit, in our last episode there hasn't been a lot of news since then so i'm just going to reiterate the fact uh that uh, comcast announced that they have passed 20 million subscribers which was a really big uh landmark uh for them a big milestone uh even though that is very low in terms of uh the streaming wars overall but it was kind of like a big marker to kind of like move forward into the you know the mid-tier market at least uh and they also announced that they're going to be ending their free tier uh, which they had been doing, which was basically like a select amount of shows and episodes from shows were available for free. You just had to create an account you didn't need to pay for anything, and you had ads, and that was that. Uh, they are, they're they getting rid of that completely. Um, and they said the reason why they're doing that is because it just kind of set up a kind of confusing state for uh, the customer, because it felt like, well, this is our product, but we're giving you a reduced version of our product. So we're not actually putting our best foot forward in front of these people. And that's maybe having the reverse effect that they were hoping for, which I think makes sense. I think it also comes yeah. down to they want people to actually pay for subscriptions. So I think there's also that as well. But they also announced that they're going to end the policy of providing cap- Comcast cable subscribers with premium, uh, premium with ads tier for free, which is what they were doing, which is basically kind of like now there's two versions of Peacock. There's there's Peacock with ads, Peacock without ads. Um, The Comcast subscribers were getting Peacock with ads for free, um, and now they're not going to get that perk anymore. You're going to have to subscribe. So they're going to try to see if they could bump up that subscription number a lot uh, based off of these things. We'll see if it works. I don't think there's really much. Do you guys have anything to add to that uh, that we didn't talk about last month?
1: All I hear is people, like, anecdotally, like, and from my own personal experience to people I know is, like, which is anecdotally, thanks for just defining it, Bill, is Peacock's a horrible platform. It's, like, mechanically, it is, it's just the worst to watch stuff on. I feel like. I feel like it's always crap. Not the worst. I
0: mm-hmm. think I mean, that
1: there are worse platforms,
0: but it is not one of the best, I will tell you. I will agree no, with you.
1: No, I feel like it's, it's of the ones I have and I have used, it's not- pretty bad and Nothing's I, I worse just...
0: than than Amazon Prime Video, I think, across the board. I think mm. their platform is terrible, uh, which is crazy because they're an internet first company. Why are you so bad at creating internet products, Amazon? Um, but sorry, well, I I'm, <laughs> I'm,
1: ba- I'm basically going off my this uh, live stuff, which I've watched uh, live stuff on Amazon for Thursday Night Football. It's been pretty solid, mm. but the live stuff I've watched on Peacock, hit or miss. And they've been doing okay. it a little bit longer, so it, like going like that, I know. Uh, Again, anecdotally, in my you know, my in laws watched the Yellowstone on Peacock and they're like, Gosh, you can't you have to start from the beginning to try and get back if you pause it or you stop it, it has to it's like fast forwarding problems. It's just a mess. I think I just don't know they have to have more shows on there to, to be a draw and I don't know if they have enough in the chamber to really keep people coming back, especially if you do that uh get the Comcast people don't get it for free anymore. I feel yeah. like you're well, gonna see a hit on that.
0: We might be talking more about that in our next segment in a little while. So we'll hold that for now. Josh, any reaction to the news? Are you a Comcast subscriber? Are you getting are you getting shafted by this uh, announcement?
2: I am not currently, but uh I have family who is and I know they're probably just gonna lose track of this. So I good for them for me reaching the uh the twenty million subscribers mark. I mean that is a big deal. But
0: more subscribers have. than we have, so
2: well. <laughs> for now. For now. But no, it, it, it does seem like a questionable decision. Um, I mean it, it it'd be very much the same thing if like Apple like said, actually we're gonna stop giving people three months free whenever they buy, you know, an iPad. Um, I feel like that is something that drives viewers to these uh platforms. So just kneecapping that I don't think is a wise decision.
0: Yes, I would agree. I think it's a good spin that they gave as to why, but I think we all know what the real reason is and people uh, inherently know that and we're probably not gonna feel great about it, but we'll see. I know also a lot of people who got Peacock for free through Comcast had no idea that they did and never activated it. So I'm sure they're looking at those numbers too and saying, why are we bothering to do this? Because the people who actually care about this will probably give us money for it and most people don't even know that they're getting this. So maybe it's not worth our time. So I I can see it from that perspective as well. But moving on, Paramount Global, a company that has been in the news a lot lately for reasons that we don't need to talk about right now. Um, but there is a new book about uh, the Redstone family that is uh, very interesting. If you want to read it, uh, I would recommend. Uh, but we're not going to talk about those details today. <laughs> um, instead, uh, we're going to talk about all the news that they released. And they released a lot of news as it relates to their company, Um for one, they have officially killed Showtime as a channel, which is kind of crazy. Uh, they're replacing it with a channel called Paramount Plus with Showtime, uh, which Jesus is Christ. a fantastically <laughs> named television <laughs> network. No notes. Uh, love it just when call you can... They should just call it television. What's the channel called? <laughs> it... This is television. I just, it's like as if you went to the store and you were like, I would like a lemon-lime soda with caffeine, please, instead of (laughs) ordering. It's like, that's not a name. That's just a description (laughs) of your product. But anyway, they did that. Uh, The great news, uh, because... Uh, They also announced uh, that they are going to go heavily into franchises. Uh, They decided, I don't know if you guys remember, but like a year and a half ago, we did a whole new segment on all of the projects that they were going to do. They were going to make all of these IP into projects. And some of those things have come to light and mostly no one has watched them. And a lot of them are not ever seeing the light of day. So they are pivoting and they're going hard into franchises for things that people care about, like Billions and Dexter. So they've announced that we're going to get a continuation of the Dexter, um, like uh, post-quel that we got (laughs) um, following his son. We're going to get a a Dexter prequel about little baby Dexter killing rabbits. I guess I don't know. Um, We're also going to be getting billions spinoffs. This is my favorite because it's going to be we're going to be getting uh, trillions. We're going to be getting millions, and we're going to get billions. Miami, which I just I love that that's (laughs) where they went. (laughs)
1: <laughs> <Why>? <laughs> <laughs> I saw it, that news and it made me so fucking angry. I'm like, you're just calling it trillions and millions. Yeah. It's like, fuck off.
0: The like, time to really invest in expanding a TV show into spinoffs is in its seventh season, also. So, you know, it seems very Damien prudent.
1: Lewis, isn't Damian Lewis also off the show?
0: Well, Damien Lewis has been off the show for the last two years, announced that he's coming back for a short run of episodes. Most people feel like that's likely to uh, introduce another spinoff, whether that's a spinoff like one of these that have been, I don't know if he's going to be attached to Trillions, or if he's just going to get his own character spinoff, but that is the expectation. So. A lot of, a lot of uh, not a lot of original content coming out of Paramount, but they're excited and I'm excited that they're excited, I guess. Josh, uh, do you have any excitement over the franchises? You're going to hope that maybe we get uh, a Nurse Jackie uh, spinoff where it's like Dr. Jackie and uh, resident, uh, Chief of Residence Jackie um, along with our Nurse Jackie.
2: Um, please excuse me as I hit my head against
0: the wall. Uh, that is my response. <laughs> uh, I believe that just got greenlit as a spinoff of uh, Billions.
1: Okay. I'm looking forward to blue jackets, red jackets, <laughs> jackets, satin yeah. jackets. And then leather. Uh, yellow and leather jackets, jackets babies. Leather, jack- leather jackets. You know, that comes after midnight.
0: Yeah. I think I think that the Yellow Jacket Babies uh, animated series about what the little girls were like when they were toddlers eating people is going to be a blast. And I really Boy, can't wait kennels? to see that. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, yeah. Uh, so... So yeah, that's, that's some of the news, but that's not all the news uh, because we also found out that um, Showtime corporate executives are being reorganized under MTV Studios, which is kind of where the current CEO of... Of Paramount Global is is from is that MTV Studios group. MTV Studios is now going to be kind of in charge of the entire uh, cable package that Paramount Global owns, basically. Um, and a number of people are losing their jobs as a result of that, which is very sad because you know a lot of uh, divisions are being shrunk down and and uh, and uh, unified, <laughs> which is I think the grossest way I'm describing that. Uh, but yeah, it's it that sucks a lot. And also, I, I mean, Showtime as a brand, it's never been as premium as Showtime, the brand, wanted you to feel like they were, right? Like, they were always second banana to HBO. And then once kind of like the prestige cable networks came around, like AMC and FX, they kind of lapped Showtime. But Showtime's been around for a long time. they produced a lot of great content. How do you guys feel about the death of this television network
2: josh oh i'll just say it seems so unceremonious not that they're getting rid of it but just the way they're doing it i mean that idea of paramount plus with showtime that's just an insult that's so so degrading for what was a premium you know network to then be like no, you're just going to be the add-on. Like, congrats. You're still alive, sort of, as your shambling corpse gets run over over and over again. It's it's embarrassing. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like we could just call this segment, especially with the Paramount News, um, what happens when a lack of creativity and corporate greed combine. Because that's all that this seems to be to me. <laughs>
0: Well, and it's what's crazy is is I don't know if you guys saw this. I didn't include this in our rundown, but I, I learned it not that long ago. David Nevins, who was uh, like the head of Showtime for like a billion years and uh, and kind of like built his career making that into what it was in a lot of ways, uh, he put together a package of private equity money, six billion dollars. This. Like within the last twelve months, to buy Showtime from Paramount because he knew that they were planning on killing it, and they were like, "No, we, I actually care about this brand, and I think it can be viable." And I, here's six billion dollars, please let me have it. And Paramount was like, "No, we don't want to give up the the uh, intellectual property. We think that there we have value that we can mine from it." And the value that they mined from it is creating Paramount Plus with Showtime and uh, taking a $1.5 billion tax write-off from Showtime-related expenses. So that sucks, (laughs) right? Like, that just sucks.
1: I'm, like, flabbergasted that the fact you just mentioned that because it's like, if you're Paramount Plus, it's like, you... Like okay, they come from MTV Studios, so first, like that just broke my brain because all MTV Studios produces is ridiculousness episodes. Like that's <laughs> it's just the common joke you see online. It's just like here is what MTV and MTV Two showed, and it's just actually. Did but you know that MTV? Of of
0: stu- did you know that MTV Studios produces Yellowstone, the biggest hit on cable?
2: What?
1: Yes. No, I know but it's just like, <laughs> but if you think about like coming from that area, it's just like okay, you, you have all that. But if you're Showtime and you're like someone is handing you six billion dollars for yeah. for you could come up with something that's not called millions and trillions. It's a show <laughs> people don't care. no one cares about that. That's the thing with Showtime. Showtime's brand is. They run shows into the ground. Like Homeland, yeah. Homeland's mm-hmm. first two seasons, I thought were great. Excellent. After
0: yeah. that, off the show, terrible.
1: After that, that's the all. Know Actually, this. one of my least favorite storylines in that show. I wish they had <laughs> run them both over with a truck. Horrible. They came but close to doing that. <laughs> if you remember I that you season. How, yeah, if you <laughs> read my review of that episode, was why didn't they? Um, was my problem with it? It was so bad. It's just no, no offense to your your boy Tim. But yeah, actually, no, it, all the offense to him. It was horrible. But what I'm saying is, you don't meet, like, they just carry shows on for so long. Like, Yellow Jackets is going to run nine seasons, and it should probably only run two or three. Yeah. Like, that's their problem. And so how you're going to buy can this, they live like, in that local- woods? We, know, we yeah. know how long it is. How are they going to stretch Jersey. it out? But they'll find a way. It's New Jersey. You <laughs> can stretch anything out. But that's not the point. It's just like, it's like, guys, like, y- you created Yellowstone you you have all these other properties you have star trek which you could mine forever why do you need this showtime stuff like you you are you keeping boxing sure okay take the 6 billion and run yeah And and what I heard after you're just gonna take a bath on it
0: (laughs) as part of that report, the like the reporter that I was listening to, which was Leslie Goldberg from uh, the TV Top Five podcast um, uh, from the Hollywood Reporter, uh, she said that this is not the first time that a that a group has come has approached Paramount about buying Showtime specifically um, with a billion dollar offer, and they turn it down every time Uh, because I think there's just like this idea inside of this corporate culture of like, well, this is ours, we need to exploit as much money as possible, and if we take a short If they're willing to spend $6 billion, then surely it's worth more than $6 billion, and we should get as much as we can out of it in the long term. We don't want to, you know, be like Lucasfilm and sell our company for $9 billion and then have Disney make $100 billion off the company, right? But it's like Showtime's not Lucasfilm, so, like, I think it's okay. Just You don't care about this brand at all. Just sell it, (laughs) you know? Instead, you literally
1: just smothered it in its bed. Yeah. And Paramount, you've just essentially made it irrelevant. So it's like, you've just made it nothing. It's like, people are just going to laugh at that channel. And it's just, it's a waste. It's like a dumb corporate decision. It's like, take the money. You're not going to make this anywhere else. And if they fall flat on their face, you know what you do? You buy it for cents on the dollar. If they screw it up, you could buy it back for like a lot less. And then you could mine it for whatever. Speaking of cents on the dollar, we'll end this part of the
0: segment by mentioning that they announced the new prices for uh, Paramount Plus and the Showtime included tiers uh, are being are going to be sold at uh, five dollars ninety nine cents uh, without Showtime, and with Showtime, it's going to get a two dollar upgrade to eleven ninety nine. So uh, there is not going to be a way to get at an ad t- tier tier there's not going to be a way to get an ad free experience without getting the Showtime package. And so therefore there, you're just having to pay an extra $2 a month if you have it every, but uh, yeah, so that's, that's Paramount, uh, which if you want to subscribe to their service, you could do it through our website and we get a couple of dollars extra. And I'm glad that that um, that we just spent 20 minutes trashing that company. (laughs) That is our sponsor. We never trash, never trash Paramount Plus. No, I mean, Paramount Plus is getting better as a result of this. And, you know, they might come up even later in our streaming war segment. Who's to say? Um, But in the meantime, there are a couple more items here. A couple of things that are short and sweet that uh, that we can get into. Sinclair Broadcasting, which I have no problem saying bad things about that company because they are evil. Uh, They own Diamond Sports Group. Uh, which is a consolidated corporation of a variety of different regional sports uh, networks that used to be owned by Fox, but that when Disney bought Fox, they had to release into the wild, and they did so by selling it all to Sinclair Broadcasting. Um, they've announced uh, that they are going to be unable to pay interest on their $8.5 billion debt that they've accumulated. Uh, and even the, since that uh, deal to purchase the Fox Sportsnet Net. Uh, went through and the rebranding as Bailey's Sportsnet. net. So all you sports fans, if you know Bailey's Sportsnet, net, that is uh, the diamond sports group, Sinclair broadcasting behind that. Um, so they're going to like go bankrupt. They're, they're preparing to go bankrupt as we speak. So um, not great news for the regional sports broadcasting between this and the news that NBC uh, that um, not NBC, that the Warner brothers discovery is getting out as well of the regional sports group. Uh, and I just have to say, very quickly i think this is kind of crazy it's not at all unexpected given the state of cable these days right everybody like subs are declining and uh, rates are declining and sports rights are exploding and so of course this would happen but it's just the last time i really cared about sports was probably 2007 and at that time <laughs> uh all of the all of the big teams like just realized that they were sitting on an opportunity to just print money by investing heavily or just starting their own regional sports networks, like starting with like the yes network. And there's like the Dallas Cowboy made a network and all of these, and like Nesson and and, in, in Boston, you know, and they realized like, Oh, this is an incredible way to make money on. And now, (laughs) and it feels like now it's like, wow, you guys should have figured this out a decade earlier ago, earlier ago, because, um, yeah, the, the the entire industry has collapsed and it's going to continue to collapse. And uh, it's just a weird juxtaposition to like the last time that I heard about regional sports networks where it's like, oh, my God, we just found that we could make a hundred billion dollars just by uh, creating a cable network that we put old games on and something else, basically. And like one guy in an airport hangar being like, you know, I think that they should sell the team to Boss whatever. I don't know what those people talk about. Um, but, you know, so, Josh, you're a big sports fan. What do you think about this?
2: <laughs> Honestly, Sinclair can rot in hell. So, whatever. I, I, I'm i not yeah. going to weep over their grave. I know that, I mean, they're obviously still going forward. But, no, it, it seems like just not sticking with the times. And they have no one to blame but themselves.
0: Yeah, they did try to create a, stream, a Bailey's Sportsnet streaming service. Um, but it felt like that was really kind of like put out in a kind of haphazard way, uh, with a lot of like, uh, gum and duct tape sort of deal, you know, they're just like, oh crap, we got to rush this out. And I don't think that it really went over well. So it's clearly not going to be the thing that saves their uh, product, but it'll be very interesting to see what happens to all of these kind of like, you know, what happens to the NBA games and the baseball and the MLB games that just air every single day for months and months and months, because those aren't the ones that the streaming services are going to invest in, even while the national rights are so, so expensive. So are, what, are they going to go to YouTube? Like, you know, the, like the SAG awards have to, <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Um, but speaking of cable and satellite, Bill, we're going to talk about this with you real quick. Um, the combined uh, Comcast charter, Verizon and Dish, the big four providers announced kind of collectively, uh, that, uh, package cancellations are up 17% across the board, which means down because, you know, the cancellations are up. That means subscribers are down 17%. Um, and that is good enough for a million subscribers in just the fourth quarter alone. So, um, are you surprised that the number is that high?
1: No. Really not. I mean, um, the the people who are keeping cable besides me uh, are people who are, you know, older, stubborn and, and <laughs> stubborn. And, and yeah, that's what they're doing. They're just, it, everyone's getting rid of satellite. You know, I work in that industry vaguely. Satellite's not great. It's just not. I don't care who hears <laughs> it. So it'd be because I, I, I sell it. So I know it's not the best. And a lot of schools are getting ready, like from a corporate side, there's a lot of schools, a lot of places, they're just not offering it anymore. They're not offering TV because kids are coming in with streaming. Um, and the regional sports thing is really going to impact that too because now they can't, that was the one way. Especially older folks could get those daily baseball games. Trust me, I get all the calls about it when they're not playing. <laughs> so it's like they go away. Where do they go? They probably end up going back to the basic channel, basic, you know, maybe over the air channels again. But I could tell you like Bump going to Apple TV caused a, a holy war <laughs> Looks people above a certain age who receive a certain AARP magazine. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. I'm not surprised by it because it's just you can get great quality on streaming. You can get Everything you want that's on TV on streaming and watch whatever you want because people are busier these days. They just want to just watch it when they want to watch it. They don't want to see the commercials. So, yeah, they're going to get rid of all this stuff because cable pricing and satellite pricing are so goddamn high and their service isn't great.
0: Yeah, I was not surprised to see that it's down 17% or whatever, but I was surprised that, like, that actually means a million less people in just the last three months of the year canceled their subscription that's a lot of cancellation so it's really interesting because you know uh, when we're talking about quarterly earnings and things of that nature when you study these these financials what you'll learn is that the cable network even though it's in decline is also the backbone financially of all of these media corporations it's crazy like they make still outside of disney which has parks and stuff like that as well all of these other media companies make the vast majority of their money just on cable subscription fees and they are killing that business because they're trying to create these streaming services as a way to have a place to bring people after the cable industry declines. Uh, But that product makes way less money than the cable uh product does for them and it's just kind of we're in this moment of real existential dread that i don't think a lot of people who are just casual entertainment observers realize and uh it's why we're probably gonna have a writer strike this spring but that'll be a news story for another day um in the meantime speaking of disney this is our last bit and i promise i know this is going long but it was a lot of stuff to get to and this is kind of the big daddy of news um as it were uh it's disney Uh, Disney announced, uh, now that uh, Papa Iger is back in charge, uh, that he is laying off 7,000 people, uh, which seems like a lot, but uh, that is out of 220,000 employees. Uh, Let's not forget how gigantic Disney is as a corporation, although if you are one of the 7,000, you don't care (laughs) that that's not a very large percentage of the overall company. They also announced that they're cutting 5.5 billion dollars in costs. Uh, with costs in- including creative personnel, marketing, and tech, uh, are going to be the hardest hits of that uh, of that uh, cost-cutting maneuver. Um, Three billion dollars of profits in parks. Uh, that is 21 percent increase from last year, which definitely helps take the edge off of. All of the various losses that are across the board. Uh, they also announced that they're reorganizing the uh, sh- corporate structure. This is something that most people probably don't care about, but it's kind of a big deal that Bob Cha- Chapek came in, totally reorganized the uh, the corporate executive suite uh, in order to kind of put all of the business people in charge and kind of push out the uh, creatives. And Iger came in, and was like, "Screw you, we're going, we're changing everything around again. Business people, you don't matter. Uh, we're putting the creatives in charge of who get of what." shows and movies get made and all that kind of stuff again uh which was good news for dana walden and uh, alan bergman they got the biggest promotions out of the deal worst news for kareem daniels who was previously kind of in charge of every like piece of content had to check in with him and to see where it would go whether it would be freeform or, or disney Plus or whatever and, and he got fired so <laughs> that's bad uh for him um Also, they announced that they're removing ESPN from the entertainment division and making it its own division inside of Disney, which is kind of a big deal because the only other divisions are entertainment and parks. So (laughs) that's really kind of elevating ESPN as a, as a as a like leg of that corporation in a way that is meaningful because a lot of people in the board have been trying to push Iger to get rid of ESPN altogether. Although some people say this move might actually help in that way because now ESPN is its own independent um, operation inside of Disney, so it's easier to spin off. But most people believe that that's the minority. Most people believe that this actually is a way to kind of like split the difference from Iger's perspective. Uh, also... Uh, this all seems like pretty bad news, uh, but in response to this news, stock went up 5%. So investors very happy by all of this cost-cutting and reorganizations. Uh, Josh, are you happy with all of this stuff?
2: Oh, any time that stock going up but people losing jobs is the line, I can't be excited about that. Uh, no, it... When it was announced that Iger was coming back, like that did, you know, suggest that there was going to be some big changes. These are pretty rough. Um, you know, I, I think it sounds like they have a plan more so than Warner Brothers Discovery, but uh, this is this is pretty brutal. I don't think this is a good look. Um, my my hope is that it will pay off, and I mean, certainly I think ESPN has what it takes to be that third leg, but we'll see. I don't know. Bill, do you disagree? Or do you just,
0: like, are you generally off-put by third-leg conversations? <laughs> when you said third-leg, I was like, oh! I mean, we're gosh, already gosh, talking gosh, about gosh. thick mushroom. We're already talking about thick mushroom <laughs> thick daddies, mushroom so we might as well talk about
1: third-legs. Listen, if any... So, here's the thing. like, um, Disney like, is, it, like... They've created their own problems in some way, foisted on their own potardas, I always love to say, which... It's just it tickles my fancy. But in many ways, it's just like they created a lot of their own problem because, you know, when it comes to it's like we created all we have bought all this IP and now we're, we're putting it all out there, for example. And then everyone's like, yeah, it's COVID. It's quarantine. Just keep feeding us because oh God, there's nothing to watch. There's nothing to do. And now as a, a certain uh, Dr. Strange villain would say, the bill comes due because now it's like you've put all that out who's paying for all that man and you, at the time you had to kick the can down the road because you had to keep you had this new streaming service you had to keep it relevant and now it's like oh shit we got to pay the bills and i think that's by streamlining the release of marvel and star wars content i think that's going to kind of an old school disney vibe of We've released it from the vault. Get your big plastic video cassette tapes in their clamshell (laughs) boxes. Oh, Cinderella's gone again. Never to see her for another 10 years. And like, I think it, you know, people ate it up every time. So I don't, it won't be like that, obviously, but you know, we're spacing stuff out. I know Alex, that kills your timeline for our other podcast, but I mean, I think it's, it's, it works really well because it's now going to be, we're going to lessen. They're going to lessen that money will be much wiserly spent and maybe even spent in better ways, especially for those VFX people who, you know, all those stories that came out. But I think in regards to ESPN, it's just a hot mess. ESPN has been this albatross over the past decade. And I don't know if making its own departments really going to make any bit of difference. I really, really don't. I thought one thing they were gonna do was Bob Iger met with the WWE, and I thought that he might buy it in order to make that an ESPN Plus exclusive or an ESPN terrestrial exclusive. And as much as you know, I love Todd wrestling. Hey, they're pulling in you know a couple million people a week, you know, on Fox and USA. So why couldn't ESPN could sure as hell use that? But yeah, reporting suggests that they are
0: open to the happen. idea of licensing their content in the same way that yeah, they license UFC content for ESPN+. Yeah, Plus, but, but they don't want to actually uh, purchase that company because they don't want the
1: McMahon family anywhere no, near their board, which I understand. <laughs> trust me, I wholeheartedly agree. Well, and also, I don't think they're going to end up buying them. And I think there's other parties that are going to buy them. But not the point is, I think ESPN needs... It just needs something. It needs this draw. It needs, it needs, I don't know how they corrected that issue, but I believe with. Yeah. Well, I think
0: that, I think that they look, well, Iger has said that they look at ESPN as an important part of their future as a company, because sports is a huge part of general entertainment. And there is such a demand for sports streaming rights as that, continues to shift. And they're one of the few companies that really has the money to just, you know, if they wanted to, they could just write a blank check to these sports companies to say, like, okay, come on our network. But right now, ESPN is in this precarious space where they still are so invested in the cable bundle that they can't really be this standalone streaming service. Like, I think everybody at this point would want, like, they talked about, like, well, how far away are we getting from, like, having an ESPN Style over the top streaming service the way that like HBO got to have prior to HBO Max coming out right and Iger basically said you know this that's probably ten or more years down the line like we feel like we're invested in this business and the reason why is because they get so much money from the cable companies that if they kill it dead by making ESPN non exclusive it would really it would just speed up this process of of cable declining in a way that I don't think is good for anybody. Uh, except for maybe ESPN, so we'll see what goes on there. Um, some other points, small points from Iger interviews that came out after the call. Uh, he floated the idea of selling Hulu. Um, of course, everyone who listens to this podcast knows that they at the end of this year they have the opportunity to either buy back the remaining stake that Comcast owns of Hulu, or or sell it to someone else. Um, the assumption has been forever that they would just buy it from. Uh, from Comcast because they have integrated Hulu as part of the Disney bundle and they seem really invested in putting FX stuff there but Iger kind of floated the idea of maybe we would actually sell Hulu maybe we would give we would sell it to Peacock maybe we would sell it to an outside person because like we own all of, m- most of the content on hulu uh, we could just pull our content and put it on disney plus if we wanted to why spend a couple billion dollars in this climate uh, a lot of people seem to think that that's just kind of posturing by bob Iger, which a lot of this was uh, so we'll see what comes but it was interesting it was kind of the first time that i really sat down and thought about it and was like well i guess if all that like if they could just pull all of the FX content and all of the 20th century library content from Hulu and put it on Disney. Why do they need the Hulu brand anymore? Like, why do they need that service? Like you're gonna lose like nine perfect strangers, but other than that, I mean, I think we're okay. So uh, guys, what do you think? What would you want to happen? And also conversely, Uh, We just talked about how hard of a time Comcast has had in launching Peacock. If they could own Hulu outright and just shift to that being their primary streaming service, I think that makes a lot of sense for them. I think that they just don't want to spend the money to actually do that. But what do you guys think about that? That'll be kind of our closing thought before we move on to our next segment.
1: I think Disney should do it. I, uh, I mean, I know the parks is really driving the, the thing, but I mean, that can only last for so long because that whole revenge travel thing due to the due to quarantine is, that bubble's going to burst. I was there like, yeah, I mean, I, I spent good money to go down there because I didn't travel for years. So yeah, this, that's going to run out. So you got to make all the money you can. And I, I agree with you, Alex. Like, It makes sense for both sides outside of money for Comcast. Hulu is such more of a branded name. It's, be- it's a better name than Peacock. And if you just make, hey, we Peacock is now Hulu. People are like, oh, I have a Hulu content, uh, 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 account already. Or if they're probably, I, you would know this better than me. I would assume there's more Hulu um, subscribers than Peacock subscribers.
0: Oh, there's like three, it's literally three times as much. Hulu is at like around 60 million subscribers, I believe. And also they have the added benefit of having the Hulu plus live TV, uh, which would be a better fit with Comcast as a kind of, you know, we have cable. We also have this live streaming service if you want for cable, if you don't want to
1: write terrestrial cable, whereas Disney doesn't really have a need for that business in the long term. And I think that it makes all the sense for Disney to make, to get that cash, to invest into creative And whatever creative they're going to do, whether it's television, movies, or parks, it's perfect sense for them. They unload that, and then they have their FX content. They can just have a new hub on Disney plus or they can make another streaming service or whatever. It's not going to be that hard, I guess. I don't know.
0: Well, and it's notable before. that like in the rest of the world, like Disney plus has star, all right. of that content already. It is under like a star brand tile Yeah. Um, in the same way that there's like a Marvel branded
1: tile at a national geographic That's brand tile called hot star, which I'm like, just, just keep going with it. It's the most ludicrous name ever. It's just like, Hey, let's what's on hot star tonight. I Sounds mean, name, I as like we
0: it. learned from Paramount Global, naming things can sometimes be tricky. So I'll take sure. Hotstar over Paramount Plus with Showtime,
1: <laughs> or the third leg. But it's you know, it's just like I Here's my new streaming service. I'm gonna take leg. the third leg. Uh, but <laughs>
0: <Jesus>
2: Josh... <laughs> I did not think of this idea of like just pulling the content into Disney Plus, but I do like that idea. I, I am a little disappointed. Because I thought the idea of having a Voltron esque combination of Disney Plus and Hulu was just a, a fun amalgamation that I wanted to see. Um, so, I mean, so and maybe this is just posturing. We'll, we'll have to see. But it, it does make sense. I think it would be a, a, really a win for everyone involved if they did just pull the content and say, okay, Comcast, Paramount, whoever wants this, go for it.
0: Well, speaking of wins as it relates to streaming, it's time for our next segment, "Streaming Wars," where we talk about who's up and who's down in the world of streaming, based on news, reviews, and other tidbits. Uh, Bill, I'm going to start with you. Who do you think won the month in streaming?
1: I feel like everyone lost. <laughs> I feel like everyone just had the worst goddamn month. Um, yeah, and I've been this is the one I've been going back, literally going back and forth on all day. Um, I do take a lot of time to think about this podcast despite what I say on it. Uh, is I'm gonna go with Netflix because of the return of all of the the subscribers. Uh once again, if you go through the Nielsen ratings, all in the top, man. They're all over the place. Uh, when regards to just like the top ten, it's re- ludicrous. I think Disney took a hit this month with all the the cuts and the reorganization of Marvel and Marvel stuff not getting as well received. Mando not opening that well. HBO Max really only having The Last of Us as a strong card, um, even though it is the most talked about show right now. Netflix, you know, they just dropped Outer Banks. You can see a whole bunch of Oscar nominated films on Netflix right now, including my favorite uh, nominated film, RRR. You should watch it. I'm going to write a column on why you should be watching it soon for ThePopBreak.com. And it's just, I think they just have, they just keep racking it up. And they just did their Chris Rock live special, which a lot of people tuned in for. uh, The reviews might not have been the best, but it was still like a well-received live juncture. So I'm going to go with Netflix for this one. Interesting. Did you watch the Chris Rock thing? I'm not a 50-year-old man. Wow! Finds Chris Rock audacious. Uh, I just don't. (laughs) I don't know. I felt like this was like it's just like oh hey, Chris Rock's gonna say some stuff, and I'm just like I don't care. (laughs) I just don't like. um, I think Chris Rock is funny, but just like this special just reeked of. Let's just talk about the Will Smith stuff, and I'm like I don't really want to go back to a year ago, so it didn't really appeal to me.
0: I watched it. Uh, I actually watched it right before you are a 50 year old man. So thanks for making (laughs) my point. (laughs) and uh, I thought it I thought it was honestly uh, I'm a fan of his broadly speaking um, but not always and I uh, I found most of it kind of like uh, just okay but the Will Smith stuff was actually the best uh, material in the whole thing i think so and he saved it right for the end uh, as you would imagine he might so i, I thought it was okay it was uh, but i did find myself like on saturday night being like oh i have to remember it comes on at 10 and because it's like oh it's the first live streaming thing that netflix has done and i was like Wait, but it is netflix i don't need to watch it at 10 o'clock what am i doing so then i waited and i watched it this afternoon which was fine <laughs> um and it was okay uh, you know um there's but something to said about an investing hour. in
1: comedy Yeah, they're heavily investing in comedy again, I believe. And so like them doing like, if this looked like this was a success, so them doing more live specials, I think is only going to be another like bolt in the chamber for them for popular. Well,
0: and they're planning on investing and like this was their first big test of any live sort of uh, event to stream and they're going to be doing that across a number of different areas. Uh, in the future, like for instance, SAG Awards, which were on YouTube uh, this past uh, month, uh, that is going to be on Netflix next year. So um, they bought the rights this past year, but they didn't have the technical ability to kind of get that up and running for the SAG Awards. Uh, so that's why they streamed it on their YouTube channel instead. Uh, but next year it'll be on Netflix proper. So, and by the way, I just want to say, uh, streaming award shows are excellent. I've been saying this for years that all award shows should be on streaming because it will be a much better product. And watching the SAG Awards, I understand why there's a reason that it's like not the best that it's on streaming because it like limits you know accessibility and things like that. But whatever, SAG was on TNT before. It's not like you know it was being beamed into people's you know homes for free in the first place. And uh, you know, no commercial breaks, no advertising responsibility meant that people could just come up and accept an award and talk for as long as they felt like it uh and that was nice because as we talked about earlier in the episode i don't love the tension of somebody's beautiful night being ruined um and that's oftentimes what happens at award shows when they get like played off or at least be threatened to be played off when they're like making their big speech of like, thank you so much for honoring a decade of work in my life. Uh, and then you're like, all right, well, you talked for two minutes. Let's, let's keep it up. And as people who listen to this podcast know, we don't mind taking a little longer to say what we have to say. So, and I will say out of all of that, the show ran 15 minutes over, which is, would have been like a record breaking win as far as the Oscars are concerned. Cause those always go like an hour and a half long. So, Proves that it's a better experience, uh, at least for the sex. Anyway, uh, that is not what we're here to talk about today. Josh, uh, we are here to talk about the Street Wars. So, do you agree with Bill that Netflix won the month?
2: Bill made a compelling argument. I'll I'll, I'll give him that. But no, right. I, I I will agree with your first comment. And I think everything lost. Um, I do want to give it to HBO Max, uh, despite all the dumpster fires going on at Warner Brothers Discovery. These, uh, Bill, as you mentioned, The Last of Us has been the most talked about show of the year so far. That is undeniable, uh, regardless of Alex's feelings about it. So it, it's it's definitely got the most buzz. It's got the most talk. I'm sure it's going to get a lot of attention at award season. And speaking of award season, um, future, um, it's also uh, been announced that Succession is coming for its last season this coming month. So. Uh, it coming back is a big deal, but to know that it's its last season, that's going to just I mean, really I think yeah. make the the stakes so high. Um so I I can only imagine, you know, what's going on with a uh, friend of the podcast Matt Taylor. I'm I'm sure he's well, going through all the side right now.
1: I, mean, I broke that to you, right?
0: Yeah, I was. I was not. Sh- it's not shocking because what we knew for a long time is that they were planning on only going four or five seasons. I really thought it would be five seasons. Turns out it's four seasons. I'm a little bit disappointed, but I am always going to lean on uh, the creators getting to tell their story and ending how they want instead of having. Uh, It becomes showtimed, as I like to say, where they just get driven into the ground and all of the main characters leave and you're just like following like the seventh uh, lead of the show and his various dealings just to keep the show on the air. Like, you know, I would
1: much rather what we're getting now. So it's worth it to me. You don't want you don't want to you don't want the Successions spinoff.
0: No, no, I don't need like uh <laughs> although although honestly I would watch it I would watch a Tom and Greg spin-off and I would also watch oh, yeah. um you know uh Logan's older brother, uh, just being a socialist in Canada, uh, while living off of, um, <laughs> essentially Rupert Murdoch's money, I would watch a spin-off about him too. So I would watch spinoffs on that show for sure. Uh, but only if they wanted to make it not just, not because they needed to announce it in a corporate, uh, financial document. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, there's still time. Don't, don't worry. Um, And then just the other news that makes me want to give it to hbo max for the month is something that alex i know you spent a lot of time talking about um a few weeks ago which is the dcu news um knowing that there is going to be a lot of dcu content coming um to hbo max in the future um so i I don't want to steal your thunder i will tell everyone listening that you go listen to your podcast um with our expert panel including my brother of their thoughts about the the news and what is in store for uh, the DCU's future.
0: Yes, yeah, so that's over on the Pop Break Today uh, feed from about a month ago. We went through in detail our thoughts on all of the projects that were announced. Um, and also we did an interview with Dan Cohen, uh, who is Batman by the Numbers podcast, to so just get his broad thoughts on the announcement and a lot of the Batman-related content inside of there. So that's that was a fun episode. Thanks for the plug, Josh. Uh, and yeah, there's a bunch of stuff for HBO Max in there. I don't know if it's a lot of stuff that people are necessarily the most excited about out of all of the things that they could be excited about but you know we'll see I mean true detective but Green Lantern you know uh, I yes. I guess that looks good on paper for some people <laughs> um, you know we talked about it so really Bill you're excited about that that just feels like such a I don't know what do we say uh, uh, it, it'll be like you know Green Lantern but uh, true detective that's an HBO thing right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay true detective but it'll uh, be we, space well (laughs)
1: Well, well, it's okay, it's James Gunn, so I'm going to trust his vision so far that he's Mm -hmm. like, this is what it's going to be like. I'm like, okay, you haven't let me down yet, so I'm going to go in there with more optimism than I would say a year ago if they had announced that. So if the previous regime had been like, (laughs) we're doing that, I'd be like, "Eh, you guys are a bunch of fools. If you listen to our panel...
0: There was a lot of, well, it is James Gunn, so I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. And I don't know, there's a lot, if you have to say that like three or four (laughs) times about 10 products, I think at a certain point you're like, well, maybe we're giving him too much credit.
1: (laughs) Well, he, I mean, I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but it's like the guy who's known for taking obscure projects and making the, or weird ideas and making it work on a large scale. Yeah, because most of us, let's face it, most of us haven't heard of these characters, so we have to go on the faith alone.
0: Yes, but how much is he actually going to be involved in every single one of these things? It's it's not like all of them are Guardians of the Galaxy, you know?
1: Well, they should be.
0: (laughs) can't argue with that. Um but I will argue with both of your picks because I have a different network than either of you guys. Um instead of Netflix or HBO Max, I was kind of torn between two other companies, uh Paramount Plus and Peacock. And ultimately I decided to go with Peacock, but I will give a little bit of credit for Paramount Plus because for Paramount's plus, plus sake, I think they got the best news in the world uh this past month. Um not that Damien Lewis is coming back for Billions season seven, not that we have trillions and millions and Billions Miami to look forward to. I just, I don't know why that makes me laugh so much, but it's like they committed so hard to the billions and trillions and millions. And then they're just like, and then it's also millions, billions Miami, like as if it's like, you know, a uh, hard rock cafe. Uh, But, (laughs) (laughs) but anyway, uh, it's not for any of those reasons. It's because, Many people might not realize this, but Paramount Network, which is, like, the cable company, the cable channel, um, is where Yellowstone airs, right? Yellowstone is the biggest television show on, like, terrestrial TV. It gets the highest ratings out of anything on cable, and it is better than a lot of network shows as well. Um, The rights to that show were sold off to Peacock um, for reasons that are kind of too stupid to get into. Um, and it's been a bane of, of Paramount Plus's existence. They've launched a million spin spin-offs of Yellowstone uh, to try to get viewers of Yellowstone to sign up for Paramount Plus, but they don't have Yellowstone itself. Well, we found out this month that uh, Kevin Costner is basically refusing to come back to film yeah. the second half of the season because he's like, I'm making a movie. I don't care about you guys. And they were like just come for one week. And he's like, no, I'm not going to do that. So basically things aren't looking good for his time on, uh, Yellowstone. And they've, they've more or less announced that, uh, Matthew McConaughey is going to be coming on at the Peacock franchise. Uh, he's going to be leading a new show. Uh, he'll be the star and the expectation at this point is that Yellowstone will be canceled. And many of the Yellowstone characters will move over to, uh, Matthew McConaughey's Yellowstone universe show, uh, and that means that they will that P- that Paramount Plus will get to own all of the Yellowstone universe uh, for the first time ever. And I think that's like a huge loophole that they're getting to exploit because it basically seems like this new show will ostensibly be Yellowstone, but with Matthew McConaughey instead of Kevin Costner, and uh, and it gets to be on Paramount Plus instead of being stuck on Peacock. So that's it's great news for them. Miami. <laughs>
2: That
1: I would watch. You uh, <laughs> know what? I would, too. This <laughs> <laughs> McConaughey with a cowboy hat and a golden... T- it's essentially his character from Magic Mike, right?
0: Yeah, more or less. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that was my runner-up. My actual winner is Peacock, because you guys are like, Peacock, what? But you you also said earlier... Uh, Poker Face, huge hit for them. Really big deal. Poker Face feels like the first show, the first original show that is really like, you need to subscribe to Peacock to watch Poker Face. Now, there were other shows in the last two years that I liked from Peacock that I tried to get people to watch. And most people were like, I don't know what that is. I don't care. Uh, but but Poker Face is different. People are like, oh, Ryan Johnson. Oh, Natasha Leon. Oh, that sounds fun. I would actually like to watch this. And I think that's huge. Uh, so that alone would be good. But also we have a number of Oscar movies on peacock as well like tar which I think is so funny that Tar is on peacock is like why uh, never ne- like such a such a, a not great synergy of brands on that one but still you can watch it um, and then uh, also the surprise hit Megan just came on uh, peacock this weekend. Uh, huge at the box office. So many people really liked it, had a lot of fun with it. It seems like the sort of movie that people would like to watch a second and third and fourth time if it just is on their TV. Uh, And that's a huge bonus for them, I think. So that's really big. And I think that that really helps remind people that all those Blumhouse movies that people actually go to the movies to see are available on Peacock. And I think that if people go for Megan, they'll see that the other stuff is there too. And I think it can create like a habitual thing that people don't even know is available to them right now. So I think that's that's really big. So for me, that mattered more than Netflix, which I think had kind of like a kind of cresting on its, on its laurels a little bit. And HBO Max, which has like the one show and, you know, a lot of other stuff that Josh talked about, but I don't think he's that important relative to the powerhouse that is Pokerface and Megan. So
1: just crapping on us again. In this <laughs> but also, like to, to bolster your argument, I know a lot of people watch Nope on Peacock, mm-hmm. and uh, Violent Night apparently was like done really well on Peacock as well, which are all yeah, you know, if you subscribe, they're free right there.
0: A movie that was made for Bill Bodkin, and I bet I mean, he hasn't seen it yet. It. But nope. you should, you should. I know.
1: God damn David Harbor
0: plays Santa, who like kills people. I guess. I mean, come on. What do you? I
1: know. You I know.
0: What more do you want? I thought Bill was the stuntman to watch. That.
1: I have to watch everything, everywhere, all the <laughs> ones. Which I still haven't done. I got to watch it before the Oscars. Well, sense.
0: you got one week, so maybe after yeah. the Oscars.
1: To <laughs> try before
0: um i'll go watch it with you and cry again because i watch that movie every time i watch a movie it makes me cry uh because it's beautiful and amazing and people who don't like it can suck it because it is gonna win every award this year so fuck you i don't care um anyway uh weirdly vulgar uh sorry about that <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> Also like, for a movie that's like
1: that's
0: it's your wrestling uh, vibes are just right. rubbing off on me. What can I say? Um, much like that uh, thick mushroom daddy and his third leg. Anyway, now it's time for our final segment of this and every month. Uh, our new series Spotlight where we discuss a new series debuting this month and give our thoughts. This month uh, we are reviewing Daisy Jones and the Six, which is Prime Videos faux documentary miniseries created by Scott Needlester uh, and Michael H. Weber, adapted from a book by Taylor Jenkins Reid that made quite a splash not too long ago. The uh, series uh, tracks the rise and fall of a 70s era rock band, and it stars Riley Keogh, Sam Coughlin, uh, Suki Waterhouse, Josh Whitehouse, uh, Camilla uh, Maroney, uh, and many others. Um, it's executive produced by Reese Witherspoon. Bill, as our resident rock and rollster, what do you have to say about this show?
1: I've seen this show a million times. Like this is this show is so You tired. liked it so
0: much that you watched it a million times before we recorded.
1: It, okay, so it is it is a perfectly passable show, but the story is so blatantly Fleetwood Mac and it's like such a behind the music type thing. I've seen like so many variations on this story and it's all the same it's all the 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 one guy's in love with the lead singer but then there's another guy in love with the lead singer they broke up at their fame but now they're talking about it and they hate each other but actually they love each other it's like fuck off like i've seen like it's being presented as this like fresh groundbreaking thing because it was based off this book and i bet you the book is awesome because like Like, I I bet a lot of the lyrics from the Daisy Jones character is probably in the book. So, I like, so I am just like, okay, that's cool. Like, but I am not seeing any of that, and I feel like the performances are kind of flat. I feel like the aging and de aging stuff is very hit or miss. Like, Sam Clayton does not actually looks older when he went back in the sixties than he does when they're interviewing him in, in current day. Yeah. Um, Daisy well, Jones like... looks exactly the same. <laughs> but Riley she has bangs. Keokan...
0: So she's obviously oh, 10 years yes. older. Uh,
1: obviously. obviously <laughs> as if we've learned anything from Ant-Man and the Wasp, bangs automatically means you're older. Um, yeah. Is that what like, we learned from Ant-Man
0: Everything, the everything
1: about it is... <laughs> No, oh, it's the first day. I was watching the first Ant Man, and my daughter oh. was like, "Her her haircut is terrible." And I'm just like, she's supposed to be older, I guess. Um,
0: <laughs> Even your daughter
1: recognized that that was a bad haircut. It, hated <laughs> it. But uh, this the whole thing was like everything is okay in it, and but it's like there's nothing fresh here. This feels like parts of almost famous mixed with ten other movies and ten other docudramas and like and reenactments you see on VH1s. Uh, Behind the Music, which was a groundbreaking series when it aired when I was in high school. And like, this is just rehashing the stuff. And I say when I was in high school, cause I'm 41, those <laughs> stories are old. We've yeah. told them, stop it. Like, I, I do not know it's, it's they're going to, they're going to meet. I saw the first episode. So they go to California. So what's going to happen is I'm telling you the whole show. I haven't seen it. They're going to meet up. And then Sam Clayton and Riley Q are like, we're muses and we're going to fall in love. And then the relationship with the photographer is going to go out the day to get popular. And some people are going to do drugs and everyone's going to punch each other and hate each other and have sex with each other. And then after the Soldier fear concert, it's over. Who cares? We all know how it ends. Like, that's it. This could have been a two-hour movie. And I probably wouldn't have watched it. But, like, as a show, <laughs> it's just like, okay. That's cool. I think the music in it, the covers, like the stuff that Sam Clayton and Raikio sing, are fantastic. I think that whoever picked the soundtrack for this is excellent. But Other than that, this is just very tired, very been there, very done that, And I just wasn't impressed by a show that I'm supposed to be impressed by.
0: Okay, so I have a couple of things to say, even though I don't necessarily disagree with a lot of what you said. I do have some points that I feel like I need to raise, which is one, it is based off of this book, which is marketed as like a fictionalization of the Fleetwood Mac story, basically. Like that is the hook of the book. So the fact that it reminds you of that is kind of intentional, right? It's supposed to be kind of telling this, like, we can't tell the true story of Fleetwood Mac because, you know, it's like so complicated and messy and people would like object to it and we wouldn't get the music right. So we're making this instead, right? Which is supposed to be inspired by it, but like loosely, and we're kind of having fun with the idea a little bit. Um, And I think that that could work. You know, there's a, there's a movie from about 20 years ago uh, now, which is crazy, um, called uh, the Velvet Goldmine that, uh, Todd Haynes directed with, uh, Jonathan Reese, uh, Myers and also Ewan McGregor and Christian Bell, uh, all about kind of like the Z Stardust era of seventies, British rock and glam uh, music. Uh, and it's one of my favorite movies and it does the exact same thing, right? It kind of tells this story inspired by the real events, but like having just enough Difference that they can change the names and it's not really about them. And they don't use the music; they make different music, whatever. Um, I like that idea in theory, and I was excited about this show for a similar reason. Now, while I'm talking about this, I am not ignorant to the fact that the fact that that movie was made 20 years ago, and this this TV show is coming out now, and it's about basically the same time period. Uh, that is kind of a problem, right? <laughs> Cause it's like, why yeah. are we telling a story about the seventies now? Uh, it, we've definitely seen the f- many, many stories inspired by Fleetwood Mac's stories uh, over the years. So that is, I think if this exact same thing came out in 1999, I think it probably would feel a lot yeah. fresher and, and more interesting even if nothing changed. So I, I agree with you on that. Uh, I will say, I don't think it should be a movie. I think that if it was a movie, it would actually feel way more kind of rote and like feel forced into that conventional arc in a way that just would just be completely by the numbers. Whereas this as a TV show, I've watched two episodes out of the three that have aired it gives you an opportunity to get into the details enough that there's some differences from what you might expect that the most formulaic version of this would be um, in a way that a movie just oftentimes doesn't have time for. So I will give it credit on that respect. Um, For instance, I thought for sure that the first episode would end with Sam Coughlin and uh, Riley Keo meeting. It doesn't. I thought for sure the second episode would then end in that way. And it doesn't either. Um, I imagine it, the third episode will because there's not that many episodes of the show <laughs> and it's about them in the band together. But I appreciated them kind of taking the time and really exploring what it was like for the two of them before they meet. And the way what I watched in the first two episodes, there were some things that were surprising in the narrative uh, in the sense that, like, the Sam Coughlin character, not to spoil too much, he basically has the whole, like, rise and fall drug, all that stuff that you were talking about. All of that happens to him in the first two episodes to the point where by the time that he is getting ready to meet this Daisy Jones character, he's already experienced all these highs and lows and is ready to kind of, like, start fresh with something new. And I think that's an interesting wrinkle that you wouldn't necessarily expect. So it has potential, I think. My issue with this show is that it feels too like made for ABC. Like it feels like it could have aired on network TV. Like there is some incidental drug use shown, uh, but outside of that, which is like uh, very minor. And I don't even know if you wouldn't be able to show that on ABC nowadays. um, It just feels like a network TV show in the way that it's lit in the way that it's produced. Uh, And that just makes it like, I don't know why it has to get that soft focus uh, feeling. I think that like, You know, James Ponsalt is the director of the first three episodes. He's a director I really like, even though his, his filmography is kind of hit or miss. And something that he really likes to do is kind of let the sort of natural light into rooms, make this sort of like, when the characters are feeling emotional and kind of present that the, the lighting and the cinematography gets that feeling of kind of like, you know, overlit and kind of just this sort of like, wow, like what a beautiful thing that's happening, but it just doesn't play in the way that I think they're going for here. Like it just feels too much. Like they shot this on the set of Nashville, you know, and I don't think that's yes, what they want. That, and that's a problem.
1: That's that's why I mean, like, I felt like I've seen it because it feels like a docu, like a docudrama, like we saw in the set, like in the night and like the nineties on ABC, like they would do stuff like this. and You're like, or like there was that one with the, about the Jacksons that played on VH1 all the time.
0: Yes. It's yeah. The I remember same, that same
1: vibe. It's the same vibe. And you're just like, this is, you know, prime video. I mean, this, they've, they've got some serious cash here. Like, why does this feel this way?
0: Well, and something that I noticed, and this could just be completely coincidence, but the pilot is forty seven minutes, and every other episode is like in the mid to late fifty minutes. And to me, that makes it seem like they wrote the pilot script so that way it could be sold to a network or a cable company if they needed to, because forty seven minutes on a on a not on streaming would be like an hour with commercials and stuff. And so it kind of feels like they. They had that in the back of their minds. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's how it feels, which is kind of, it's kind of unfortunate. Like I was, I was really hoping, like I said, that it could be more like Velvet Goldmine. And instead, the thing that it reminded me most of was, (laughs) and I don't know if this is a weird reference, but did you guys, did you ever watch the show on uh, the WB called Jack and Bobby, which was a short-lived TV show? I know
1: know exactly what you're talking about. Yes. It's about uh, the Kennedys. Yeah
0: it's not about a, the
1: kennedys no it's <laughs> everybody not.
0: thought it mean? would be but it's not they're just oh, well, playing I with the think. name yeah and what it actually what it's about is it's about these two brothers one is like 14 and one is like 16 or whatever and or i guess he's more like 13 and 16 or but in any case one's name is jack one's name is bobby and the it's like a it's like a teen like drama just like uh, like Dawson's Creek or 9 or 2, you know, whatever. But the hook is that you're getting these kind of like interstitial interviews with people from 20 oh, years later. Right. And yes. they're talking about like the things that you're seeing because one of the boys will be president of the United States and the other one of the boys will die. And that's, and the hook of the show is like, you need to figure out like, which is which. Right. And you find that out pretty early on in the first season. And then it's like, one of them's death propels the other into the position of becoming president one day. Just such a weird, like, way to try to make you care about a teen soap opera, (laughs) but that's what they did. And that's the show that I kept thinking of over and over again, because it's, like, these, like, mundane sort of situations that we've seen a million times, but, like, dressed up with interstitial, like, documentary-esque interview footage for reasons that aren't actually adding anything interesting to the story, which sucks, because I love a mockumentary. I think that's one of the best like formats if you can use it in an interesting way. And I don't know, I don't think they do it, but Josh, what do you think?
2: It was okay. I mean, I wasn't super impressed. Uh, I know what, a, what a glowing response. After um,
0: Bill and I just like talked about it for like 30 minutes. You're just like, yeah, alright. Yeah, right?
2: Yeah. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's all i have to say about, it. no, um, no, I, <laughs> I found, I, I know Bill, you talk about like the Fleetwood Mac kind of, of it all. Um,
1: <laughs> and, and that is a band i do not like at all so you're even making it worse for me like i literally had could cover stevie nicks for free and i left because of like no wow, works. i'm good yeah well
0: I'm i good. will say that good. i i thought it was interesting bill that you said that this music is good because i was very genuinely curious if it was good or not because it's not like no, my no. kind of music and i was like are they uh, even doing a good job with like pretend like making music of this era
1: Yeah, I thought they did a good job of it, sure. Because all the music I I I heard just was, like, really boring and, like, nothing that I'd want to listen to.
0: (laughs) So I was like, is this actually good? I don't feel like I could tell. I just know I don't like it.
1: (laughs) The Sam Clayton cover, like, he did a good job with the cover. Uh Uh, The song the guy steals from her and what he put together sounds very of the era, but sucks. (laughs) And, like, that kind of was the point. She's like, it's not supposed to sound like this, like this bubblegum pop thing. And then her song at the piano, I thought she did a good job singing it. And I'm like, oh, that yeah. fits that era. She, it was like, a good
0: performance. I think Bradley. Yeah, Key but was I thought really the good.
1: soundtrack, like the actual like music we all know that plays, I'm like, oh, this is good. I like, I like this at least. <laughs> you know, it's like Forrest Gump, that type of soundtrack. But Josh, continue. Yeah,
2: no, I am a, a, a big or fairly big fan of Fleetwood Mac. Um, like I, I do like their work, and so I. I do think they did a good job emulating that band and their music um but as bill said like we've seen this story before like this is not really breaking any new ground here um but the performances i was impressed with um and, and i think yeah whether or not the songs themselves were you know that impressive i i did think the um the musicians themselves or the, the singers, I thought they, they carried it well. We but... talked
0: a little bit about the direction and cinematography. Did any of that jump out to you? Like for us, we kind of felt like it kind of, we just said it kind of it had a little bit of a network TV quality to it that this show really, I don't think should, because, you know, it's telling us like gritty, grimy, sex, drugs, and rock and roll story. And it, everything is just like so sun-kissed and over, over-lit. But how did that work for you?
2: Yeah, I mean, I... I, I really didn't find it all that exciting, to be honest, cinematography wise. Like I, I generally am not a huge fan of the mockumentary kind of style. Actually, just because I, I do find it to be usually often like boring, and in terms of just how it's filmed. But mm-hmm. I do think it did give a chance for some of the actors to like do some good work because I mean, when you're staring down a camera, you, you can't really hide behind other things. You have to like really give it your all in terms of your expressions. Um, so I, I thought that was good, but yeah, in terms of like the, the filming now, I, I think the, the most interesting um, cinematography was just like the, uh, when they, the band first gets into LA or California and they're just kind of seeing it through the eyes of their van. Um, yeah. But other than that, no, just it really just wasn't anything to write home about.
0: Timothy Oliphant did did, didn't do it for either of you guys?
2: That was the the highlights of it, for sure. Yeah, I mean,
1: he looked... But the, again, the aging thing is weird. He looked younger and better in present day than he did back then. It's just like, God.
0: Well, I honestly like think maybe that's okay because, like... In this moment, in the, like, early 70s, all of these people are doing so much drugs and drinking so much and smoking so much. And by the time they're being interviewed in the future, at some point in the future, which is probably, like, 20 years in the future, they've all, like, cleaned up. They've they've gone to rehab. They've gone to a day spa. They're really living a much better life for themselves. So I feel like it almost, maybe I'm giving them too much credit. I think it's you almost are. intentional.
1: No, you're giving them too much credit, man.
0: But someone likes- that I can't give credit to is Sam Coughlin, who I wanted to like so much here, but I couldn't because I kept feeling like, wow, he reminds me of so much. He reminds me so much of Billy Crudup, not just because of the Almost Famous yeah. connection, which is clear, but I, I just like in general, it just feels like a role that like, it just feels like he's trying to be Bill- like do a Billy Crudup uh, uh, like impression almost. And it's just like Billy Crudup would make this role so much more interesting. And there, and he would and find he ways to make it feel more, dynamic and engaging and like and he's sam is just not is just not doing it and like in the second episode he like goes through this whole like drug bender and stuff and i'm just like i don't like none of this is really believable dude i'm sorry like i want to be on your side you're trying but i just it's just missing something
1: yeah it's it's not great man
0: so it sounds like uh neither of you are going to continue josh did you watch more than one episode
2: i only got to watch the first one
0: okay i watched two out of the three and what i'll say is after the first one i was like i don't want to watch any more of this but i thought like well for the podcast i should at least see what it's like when daisy jones meets the six and then i watched the second episode and she didn't but i liked the second episode a little bit more than the first episode i think it was like like i was saying earlier like there were some things about it that that um that challenged my expectations of what the show could be, not like significantly so, but just like minorly so. I was like, oh, maybe I'm not giving it any, like, while I was watching that first episode, I was basically not giving it any credit for anything. And in the second episode, I was like, okay, well, there's some stuff going on here. But I don't I don't think in this current climate that I'm probably going to continue watching more. But it's only like six episodes and three are out there already. I've already watched two. So I might finish it, but I, I don't think I probably will. I mean, we have Harry Mason coming up next month, so... I like that. That it debuts Monday. Can you believe it? Me and Bill like what wait. feels like 5 years ago uh recorded a whole podcast about Perry Mason season 1 and now season 2 is coming and wait we, we might Mo- Monday
1: of this week coming up.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What the f- I know, and this and, and they said this time he gets to actually be a lawyer, which is really exciting, you know, because uh, ironically, the lawyer show featured him uh, never being a lawyer in season one, <laughs> but you know, worked more than it didn't, so he's going to be a lawyer this time, but that's not what we're going to talk about. Uh, if you want to hear our thoughts about Perry Mason, you can tune in next month, where we may or may not talk about it. We don't have the featured uh, uh, series spotlight lined up yet, because there's a lot of stuff coming in the next month, uh, and a lot of it is not actually New. A lot of it is returning shows that we're very excited about, but don't fit the description of this segment. So we're going to see what we come up with. Um, we'll keep you guys posted. Uh, but in the meantime, Josh, where can we find your stuff on the Internet and yeah, on Pop Break.
2: Yeah, so people can find me on the Anniversary Brothers podcast with brother Aaron. Um, we actually just recorded an episode earlier today on the 60th anniversary of The Birds uh, by Alfred Hitchcock. So one of our uh, older films that we've covered um, and people can also check our latest TV podcast for that, where we talked about uh, The Joy of Painting with Bob Ross, which was delightful. Um, and I'm happy to announce that finally, after many, many, many months of promising, I have finally written another Couch Potato column. It's on the site. Sorry it took so long, guys. But it's on there. Um, one that I actually feel pretty good about Uh, Just one that has a pretty good emotional connection to me. I talked about two actors who were really influential for me as I was growing up who recently passed away. So uh, I encourage people to check that out. And yeah, people can also just find my work on the site.
0: Yeah, I I read that, Josh, and it was very, very touching and beautiful and well worth the wait. And I'm excited to announce here today that in addition to the Couch Potato column, we have spinoff columns announced. We're making it its own franchise. So get ready for Couch Potato Miami. Get ready for Couch Potato the teenage years. It's going to be great. Uh, I can't wait.
2: Yeah, I, I think I'm most excited for Couch Potato with Showtime. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, we've all been waiting for it. It was the two great brands that we're going to have to match at some point. So
1: Jesus jumping Christ.
0: <laughs> but Bill, do you have any exciting announcements for us?
1: Sure. Why not, man? Brand expansions. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> do I have enough time in the day? <laughs> but uh, yeah, if, if you must follow me on Twitter, at BodkinWrites. Uh, W-R-I-T-E-S. Uh, of course, this month, you're also going to hear on our Pop Break Today feed, Alex and I will be talking about Daredevil Season 2 as in tradition. I'm not going to spoil it yet, but we will have a uh, special interview, So, uh, which Alex will be conducting. And uh, we're very excited for everyone to hear that. Uh, I Also, in, coming up in the second episode of Anchored in Asbury, uh, we dropped that Official, oh, no, is that the third episode? Sorry, with Dana Y. That was great. We have another one coming out in March. Uh, on the Pop Break, I will have an editorial on the film RRR. I also just wrote a review of Nando's Season 3's premiere. And I guess I'll have to write something on Perry Mason now because I wrote it all last year. Um, so I'll be doing all of that. Uh, but most importantly, follow thepopbreak.com every single day at the Pop Break on Instagram and Twitter. We're really hitting a, a nice... Um, post uh, that post holiday hangovers. Is, oh, is done. It's over. We're getting a ton of content on the site. We have a, a, a boatload of Oscar podcasts that you should be listening to. we got a special Oscar tab, Oscar podcast tab under the, uh, the podcast uh, menu on the pop So check all that out as well.
0: Absolutely. And Bill, will you be returning to the mic for a Oscar post Oscar breakdown uh, podcast?
1: As long as they'll have me, and as long as I w- watch the movie that's probably going to win Best Picture by then, <laughs> then yes. And I also will be on the Batman by the Numbers podcast talking about uh, the best villain, uh, villainous gadgets and gimmicks and costumes. Uh, all sorts of stuff like that with Dan Cohen, which is just going to be me two hours of pissing him off saying Batman versus Superman sucks. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm sure everyone's very excited to hear that. Um, as for me, uh, you can follow my film podcast, Cinema Joes, at Cinema Joes on Twitter. We just had our series finale. We announced that we we're going on an indefinite hiatus and we had our grand finale. Uh, come out this past week. Josh and Bill were both nice enough to be part of the two dozen special guests that came on to wish us well. It was really nice. We took a walk down memory lane. We talked about some of our favorite movie-going moments. It was a really, really great special episode. So definitely check that out uh, if you have the chance. Um, in addition to that, obviously follow Pop Break TV. Follow Pop Break today lots of fun stuff. We've talked about a lot of it already, so I won't bore you and say it all over again, but definitely check it out. Um, and, you know, in the meantime, you can uh, follow me on Twitter and, and Twitter and Letterboxd at Media Thinkings. Uh And uh, yeah, I can't wait uh, to see what the future has in store for us because it is going to be a very busy month over the next few weeks. So uh, until then, everybody have a great evening. We'll talk to you next time.